0: What a special time on this Mother's Day. We've been in a series for the past few weeks that we're calling A Life Well-Lived. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit identified by the Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. When God fills us up when we keep in step with the Spirit of God, when our lives are in sync with Him, this is what the Apostle Paul says in verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is a list of nine qualities. And in this series, we've been looking at one piece of fruit at a time. And this morning, not because it's Mother's Day, okay, but this morning we come to the fourth piece of fruit that grows on the tree of a well-lived life, the fruit of patience. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There it is again. Patience. This message is for anyone who is out there already thinking, hurry up, and get to the point. I'm going with a hunch this morning. And my hunch is that for all of us, our patience has been tested this past year way beyond normal. In so many ways, we have been stretched, we've been pulled, and again, our patience has been tried. Can I just see hands of those who would agree with that statement that our patience has been tried and tested? Okay, I'm going to say it. Let me see those hands. Friends, we are in the bottom of the eighth of what has been a very long and bitter season. And I don't know about you, but over the past 14 months, I've discovered that patience isn't just a virtue. It's an achievement. We are an impatient people, and we were impatient before COVID, and boy, what has happened to us in the midst of it. Even when things are normal, there are plenty of reasons for us to become impatient telemarketers, people who don't do what they're supposed to do, a task taking longer than expected, drivers who don't use their turn signals People who don't observe their personal space or your personal space, a long line that scoops ice cream, you pull by and you go, no way, I'm standing in that line. The digital age has also rewired our brains to expect immediate results. We can, or we expect the internet to download an article instantly. We can send an email around the world in just a matter of seconds. We can check the weather forecast for noon tomorrow with simply a swipe of our phones. We can place an order on Amazon and receive it the next day. We have been trained to get what we want when we want it, and when we don't get what we want when we want it, we feel like we are victims of a vast conspiracy. As if the entire world is arrayed against us. Margaret Thatcher once said, the former Prime Minister of England, the Iron Lady, I am an extraordinarily patient person, provided I get my way in the end. How many of us agree with that? Now, if you hope to hear a sermon today from someone who has mastered the art of patience and no longer struggles with it, You've come to the wrong church. I am by nature an impatient man. I've been in a hurry for most of my life. I couldn't wait for the school day to end. I couldn't wait for my next baseball game. I couldn't wait for for to be able to marry Lisa. I, I asked Lisa to marry me on Thanksgiving Eve 1987. And I wanted to marry her right away after that. She thought that we could plan a wedding by June. I thought we could do it by April. We did it in April. If I may paraphrase the prophet Isaiah for a moment, woe is me because I am an impatient man and I dwell among the people who demand instant gratification. That's where we are. So let me remind you, as we have done in this series so far, that the fruit of the Spirit is not about your personality or your temperament. The fruit of the Spirit, however, is an amazing, unbiased gauge of our spiritual life. In fact, I consider it to be the best objective assessment we are given in Scripture about whether my life, and therefore your life, is under the control of the Holy Spirit. It is what is manifested in us. It's what comes out of us when God, through the Holy Spirit, is performing a work in us, shaping us, forming us to be the man or woman he wants us to be. So these qualities are not the fruit of self. Boy, I know that when it comes to the fruit of patience. This is not the fruit of Paul. It is the result of working with the Holy Spirit. Many Bible students have pointed out that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we do refer to the fruit singular rather than the fruits of the Spirit. Jonathan Edwards, that great pastor in Northampton, Massachusetts, during the time of the Great Awakening, said in one of his books that with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there is a concatenation of the graces of Christianity. That's my new favorite word, concatenation. And what it means is, is a list of things that belong together. So the fruit of the spirit is not something that we look at in isolation. Uh, The fruit of the spirit is interdependent. So all the qualities coexist together. And, and when you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, all of these qualities will be manifested in your life. It's not that you can just choose love, joy, and peace and skip over patience. No, patience is a part of what happens when we are walking with him. It's a package deal. Now, in the New Testament, when we come across the word patience, there are two primary Greek words that are translated English in our Bibles. And the first word is the word hoopomone, which generally refers to the circumstances that test our patience. It's the word we find, for instance, and that famous passage in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and you'll find the words on the screen where James says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces upomone. patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Our patience grows as we were tested by trials. Long-term financial hardship, loss of hearing, infertility, We could add to that list so many things because in so many ways, and that's James' point when he says when you fall into various trials, our patience is simply tested by the grinding reality of life. And James is saying that as you endure suffering and hardship of various types, you will build up an active endurance to wait for what God wants to complete in you. And he is doing a work in you. He began it. He's going to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ and so you wait for it. There may not be a greater collision between the clash of our own expectations and the value system of the kingdom of God than this quality of patience. God wants to see patience cultivated in your life every single day. In our kitchen, probably just like yours, we have a crockpot A crock pot is an ancient cooking device that cooks food at a lower temperature, simmering sometimes for hours. And so sometimes on a Sunday morning before church, Lisa will put some chicken in the crock pot and with some special seasoning so that by the time we get home, all that aroma fills the air and we are ready to devour some chicken tacos. A few years ago, I gave Lisa... An Instapot for Christmas. It wasn't one of my better gifts. An Instapot is a crock pot on steroids. It is, it significantly reduces the cooking time, but it has one severe disadvantage. It robs you of that delicious aroma that is opposed to hits you in your face as you walk through the door and it just wafts through the entire house. Instapot doesn't give you that. But the crockpot does. And in God's kitchen, there are no Instapots. Just crockpots. Friends, there are things that God wants to do in your life that can only happen when you find yourself inside the pot simmering for an extended period of time. And here's the challenge, because most of us think that the amount of time necessary for us to be made complete through suffering is a whole lot shorter than what God ordains. We, we think it ought to happen really, really fast so we can get through the trial. And God says, no, slow down and wait for it. That's because we want the destination without the process. We want to be spiritual giants without the hardship. But every person who has ever been used by God in a mighty way has spent some time in God's crockpot. Fifteen years passed. Between the time that David was anointed to be the next king of Israel and the time of his, of his coronation, for fifteen years Mad King Saul chased him around the wilderness. And you look at those accounts and those chapters that go on and on and on. And you wonder, what in the world is God up to? He is shaping David. He is preparing him. He's forming him into the kind of man he wants him to be when he becomes king. When Joseph was an arrogant teenager, he told his brothers about a dream that God had given him of how one day they would bow down before him. And so one day, soon after his brother sold him, to a caravan of traders to see what would happen to this dreamer. And so he, he goes to Egypt and he eventually rises to be a manager within Potiphar's household until he is falsely accused and dumped into prison. And for years, he cries himself to sleep every single night thinking that he had been all but forgotten. And it took 13 years for the dream that God gave him as a teenager to eventually come to pass when he's elevated to be the second most powerful man in Egypt and is able to provide food for the world and food for his family that travels from Canaan to Egypt. And his brothers, when they come before the most powerful man of, in Egypt, aside from the Pharaoh, bow down before him. The deepest spiritual lessons are not learned by God letting us have our own way. The deepest spiritual lessons that we will gain in, your, in, in our lives is when we say to God, have your own way with me. Do it your way, Lord. Hupomone. Patient endurance. God is saying to someone this morning, I know you're in a hurry, but you're going to have to slow down. And I do my best work... My best refining work in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardship. Patience is the ability to wait for God to do his best work in you when life is at its worst. Patience is, is, is something that we learn. Not when all the money is available to pay the bills on time. Patience doesn't come when we hit all green lights. Patience isn't learn when everything is going well. You learn patience when life literally flips upside down. It's, it's when you have tried to do your best as a parent, but your child is out there in the far country away from God. And all you can do is pray and wait. Hupomone. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, the apostle Paul refers to great patience. Because there are times in our lives when what we're going through requires that more than anything else. Great patience. But why? Why is patience so important? Because God changes us in the process of waiting. It's a basic life principle. Whether we're dealing with difficult circumstances or annoying people, it is the hard things that usually shape us deeply and lastingly. And what we need to know, what we need today is some perspective that we are on earth and God is in heaven and he sees what we can't see and he knows what we don't know. And he also knows that if we get what we want when we want it, it just may wreck our lives. So we wait for it. The easy way, which is usually my way, is not the life-transforming way. So in whatever comes our way, our response, our posture as Christians is to wait on Him. It is to look to God because He is working in us a greater weight of glory that would come in no other way than through patient endurance. Patience is not laziness. Patience is not frustrated resignation. Patience is a posture of faith. It's the way that we look to God and trust in him. It's hupomone. That's the first word. But there is a second word that is translated patience in our Bibles. And it is a long word. It's the word makrothumos. It's a great word. It's a compound word consisting of the prefix macro, which means long or slow. And then the suffix of that word is thumas, which means heat or anger. You look at that final ending of that word. And you know that so many English words come from the root Greek words, that word thumos. We get the word thermal from. We get the word thermometer from it, that that device for measuring heat. Macrothumos. Slow to become heated. Slow to become angry. When a person is quick tempered we say that they have a Short fuse. A person who has macrothumos is a person who has a long fuse. It's, it takes a long time for them to get irritated. It takes a long time for you to become heated. And notice that the word macrothumos has a very close relationship between what we would call patience or impatience and anger. Patience can be defined, really, as anger properly managed. The issue is not whether you get angry, but what you do with your anger. And a person who is macrothumos doesn't explode at the smallest irritation. They don't emotionally unravel when things don't go their way. And when God is filling you up with himself, and there are all kinds of irritations Trials, hardships, difficulties, annoying people around you, it takes a long time for you to explode. Listen to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. James has a lot to say about patience in this little book. We saw it in James 1. Here is James 5. Be patient, macro Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. If "hupumene" refers to the circumstances that test our patience, makrothumos, this word that James uses several times in those verses, refers to the people who annoy us. So patience has to do with the ability to endure difficult situations or circumstances or annoying people while also retaining a good attitude. It's the ability to to endure a bad situation. It's the ability to put up with an irritant without becoming nasty. That's macruthumos. It's the ability to live with an annoying person without walking away. So for the rest of this message, here's what I want you to do. I simply want you to think about that person in your life who gets under your skin. For this passage and for this message to have its maximum impact in your life and mine, Just bring that person to your mind. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's someone at work, a church member, a growth group member. Maybe it's the person that you came to church with this morning. Maybe it's your pastor. Think about whoever it is who has the extraordinary capacity to annoy you without trying. Jerry Bridges, in his book Respectable Sin, says impatience is a strong sense of annoyance at usually unintentional faults and failures of others. I know it's hard to believe, but that person who annoys you the most, most of the time, isn't trying to annoy you. And so it requires this enormous reservoir that comes only from keeping in step with the Spirit of God, not to become impatient with that person. We need some macruthumos. I know what you're thinking. At least, again, it's my hunch. Uh, because it's how I think. It's how I, I first f- sat down, and, and, I, and I take a big 11 and a half by 14 sheet of paper, and I write the word patience right in the center, center of it and draw a little circle around it. And then I just begin shooting off ideas. And as I'm thinking about patience, here's the thought that comes to me. Why should, why should I be patient when it's other people who need to change? Why should I tolerate her when she makes my life so difficult? And Listen. Patience is the environment in which relationships thrive. In your family, at work, in the church. Let me give you two succinct reasons to open yourself up this morning to the Holy Spirit so that he may cultivate patience more and more in your life. Two reasons why patience matters so much, why I need this quality in my life. And and here's number 1 and it is so simple and so basic and yet so important because God himself is patient. In fact, this is one of the most amazing qualities of God himself because because he is so patient with us when he has every reason to be a gazillion times a day impatient with us. We commit punishable offenses and omit important acts every single day and yet God is immensely patient towards us. William Barclay put it this way, if God had, had been a man... He would have taken his hand and wiped out this world long ago, but but God has that patience which bears with all of our sinning and never casts us out. Why should we be patient? Because God is so patient towards us. He didn't write you off. And in the very same way, because God didn't toss us to the side, we should not write other people off and toss them to the side. God also operates at a different speed. Have you noticed that? God is never in a hurry. He never acts hastily. That's one of the most obvious things about God, and it ought to be one of those things that we celebrate because God takes his time, and he seems perfectly happy to let things unfold from a different timetable than we might have. In fact, there may be times when when it seems as if God could be accused of being idle. Think of the Exodus, for example. That central event in the history of the Israelites, when they finally escaped from Egypt under the cover of darkness, they had been enslaved for more than 400 years. For 400 years, the descendants of Abraham One generation, after another generation, after another generation, and on and on it went. Again, for 400 years, were born in slavery and died in tyranny. And when God finally decides to act, after 400 years of waiting, then it's rather surprising, isn't it? He acts so suddenly in a span of just a few months, frogs were falling from the sky and locusts were devouring crops and darkness swallows the noonday sun. Why did God wait an agonizing 400 years and then suddenly act with nail-biting drama because God moves at his own pace? Because God in those years of waiting is producing and shaping and forming his people in something that they could not have been unless they had to patiently endure it. After the exodus, God formed a covenant with his people and he promised to be their God and they promised to be his people. But you know their story. God kept his part of the bargain and they repeatedly failed on theirs and they tested his patience again and again And at a critical moment when both Moses and God were ready to give up on the people of Israel. Moses says to God, God, I want to see you for who you are. I want to be able to have a glimpse of your glory. And one of the most audacious, bold prayers in the Bible, Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. And God says to him, oh, Moses, you don't understand. If I did that, you would not live. Because no one can look upon my glory and survive. But here's what I'll do. You'll come up to the mountain. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'll allow my back parts to pass by. And God does that. He puts Moses in the rock. God passes by. And he whispers his name. And in the whispering of his name, God reveals his essence. Exodus 34, verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There it is. Slow to anger. That's patience. That's macrothumos. So why should you open your heart and let God grow patience in you? God says, because that's what I'm like. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is not a, a set of random qualities that the Apostle Paul just pulls out of thin air. No, they are the attributes of God. And when I begin to walk with God and keep in step with his spirit, when when I ask him to fill me on a daily basis so that what comes out of me is not Paul, but the Holy Spirit, the very portrait of God, I am resembling him. And with the fruit of patience, he begins to grow an essential part of who he is in you. So reason number one. To ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate this quality in us is because God is patient. Reason number two, because patience is one of the defining marks of a church family. How do you relate to people that you worship with and that you serve with and that you grow with? Well, that takes us back to to James chapter 5, verse 7. I hope your Bibles are there because we're going to spend just a little bit more time in James chapter 5 and the closing minutes of this message. But the first place I'm looking at is James chapter 5 verse 7, be patient. You say that little word be in front of it? That alerts you that this is an imperative. In other words, this is a command. You, you know, the book of James is filled with imperatives. There are commands all over the place. It's why for some people, it's their favorite book in the Bible because James is so black and white, he just tells it like it is, and he tells you what God expects. What God expects of us from James chapter 5, verse 7 is patience. God says, I know you're in a hurry, but again, you're going to have to slow down. I know that person annoys you, but you have to be patient because I'm not finished with him or her or you yet. The second place I'm looking in, so hold your place in James 5, You can just watch these verses appear on the screen for a moment. A second verse that I'm looking at is Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, where Paul writes there, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love that verse there because patience then is not only a fruit of the Spirit, but it is also a part of the daily wardrobe of every believer so that when we get dressed in the morning, Paul is saying, put this on. Just as there are some old rags we need to take off and shed, every day as we put on our shirt and our shoes, we put on patience. You know what James 5 is showing us? And Colossians 3, verse 12 is showing us. It's showing us that very early on, I mean right out of the gate, those early Christians had a hard time getting along with one another. He knew that they were going to be coming. God knew that they were going to be coming from various backgrounds, different perspectives, different worldviews. And so if they were going to be able to make it as a church, if they were going to continue to thrive, then they needed to be patient with one another. And if you're going to practice Christian community here in the 21st century, know that there are going to be some things that are going to irritate you and there are going to be people who will annoy you. And we need to be patient. You see, that's one of the things about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that you can practice in isolation. In other words, you can't stay home and stay in bed and be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. No, the fruit of the Spirit is only activated in the midst of community. Now, as we continue to live through this unusual season, there are going to be people who are staying home and watching church on TV. I understand that. and Some people need to continue to do that. But as we continue to gather and as we come out of this season, God has designed us to live in community. We need one another. And as we need one another and live with one another, we also have to put up with one another. And so this is where patience comes in. The patience that we need in order to do life with one another. There's a third place I'm looking, and that is at Ephesians chapter 4. In verses 1 and 2, the apostle said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. There you see patience, but also the final phrase of verse 2 of Ephesians 4, bearing with one another in love. You know what I see when I look at that? I see God referring to somebody who just may not change, ever And we are to be patient. You see, what cements a Christian community, what even has lasting impact in a family, is not that everyone in it is mature and on time and keeps their promises and acts just the way you want them to. What cements us together In the church and in the family and in our realm of relationships, is that Jesus Christ died for me and Jesus Christ died for you, and we've been adopted into the very same family of God, and we are called to share life together. And patience is required. What will transform a community of faith more than anything else? is when we choose to love one another when we don't feel like it, and when we choose to be patient with one another when we don't feel like it, it's normal for people to snipe at one another. It's normal for people to gossip and complain. It's normal for for people to become estranged from one another so that they don't talk to one another for years. It's normal for our culture to become polarized. Normal isn't working very well for us today. This is what God expects in his church, among his people. Jesus has something very different in mind when he thinks of his body so that we are to be different from anything else in the entire world. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. I think we all need to hear this. I'm out of time. So let's return to James 5 for just a moment as I watch that clock and see if I can make some final applications. This is what happens when I don't preach for a week. Remember, James 5, verse 7 begins with that command, be patient. In other words, there are some things that you're going to have to put up with. Those are there are some things that you're going to have to patiently endure that you cannot fix on your own. You will need macrothumas. Let the Spirit of God cultivate in you a long fuse. Well, how do we how long do we need to be long fused? Hmm. Be patient, therefore, brothers. James Continues, until the coming of the Lord. Just stay there for just a second. How long must you be patient till kingdom come? Till the cows come home, or the sheep in this case. How long do we wait till Jesus shows up? Not before then, until he comes. And what exactly does it mean to be patient? If you need a visual of what patience looks like, he gives us one in verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. James simply says, look to the farmer. No, no farmer looks at his barren field and commands corn to grow by fiat. No, rather, he, he plows his field, he sows his seed, and he waits. He, he doesn't sow his seed one day and then expect to reap the harvest the next. No, he sows and waits. James' point here is that heaven itself operates in seasons. We've been through a season. And God himself operates in seasons, early rains, later rains, he says here. That's an application for the farmer. Fall, winter, spring, summer, Gop operates in seasons. God operates, if you will, on farmer time, not my time. He may not come when you want him to come. He will come, though, when he wants to. He will come always on time. And then James delivers the same imperative again. Verse 8, he wants us to make sure we get the point. You also be patient. He's awfully redundant, isn't he? I know you're in a hurry, but you have to slow down. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then watch this in verse 9. Here's another imperative. Do not grumble against one another. So while you're awaiting, don't mumble about it. So that you may not be judged. While you're waiting, don't grumble. And don't you know when James' hearers heard that, they thought about the Israelites in the wilderness and all of their grumbling and how slow to anger God was. Don't grumble against one another. Grumbling can be an external thing. But most of the time, I think it's an internal expression that we have. It's this internal posture inside our hearts. Grumbling may not be expressed outside of us. We may be smiling on the inside, but grumbling on the inside. So God says through James, do not grumble. And whenever you find yourself in God's crockpot, Whenever you find yourself needing patient endurance, James says, spend some time with God's prophets. Verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. To know the prophets, spend some time in the Old Testament. Look, for instance, at the life of Noah, who warned about things not yet seen, and he begins building an ark, and everyone in the neighborhood thinks he's crazy. That's prophetic patience, to build when there yet has been a drop of rain. We could go on and on and on and talk about other prophets. Consider them, James says. And then, of course, consider consider Job. You've heard about the steadfastness of Job. You've heard about his trials. You've heard about his difficulties. Here was a man who had everything, wealth, a beautiful family, and yet he loses it all. Thieves steal his property. Lightning strikes his possessions. His entire family, with the exception of his wife, are killed in a storm. He doesn't grumble. He doesn't swear. He waits and waits and waits. And you know the end of his story. That's how God restores everything to him in the end. You see, our problem, our problem with life, is the problem of perspective. We don't know what God is up to. And if we could see things from his point of view, we'd we'd have some perspective. And so since we, we can't always, we need to wait. So God is saying to all of us this morning, wait on me. Be patient. Don't grumble. Trust him. Trust him when he is doing more beneath the surface of your life than you are able to see. And if it's not better yet, it's because it's not the end yet. So wait for it. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you for the look inside the world of what it means for your people to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate the quality of patience in us. God, this is one of the most difficult things we can do. It's one of the most challenging things you called us to be. But thank you, Father, that this is not the fruit of self. This is not something that we can simply grind our teeth at and try to develop in us. Patience comes from walking with you. And so, Father, I pray for our people. I pray for your people here that you would simply keep us in step with the Holy Spirit so that when we face hard circumstances or difficult people, that what will come out of us when we are poked and when we're bleeding is your patience. Give to us, Father, both hoopamone on the one hand and macrothumos on the other. Patient endurance and a long fuse. We ask for this in the name of Christ. And all of God's people said, "Amen." And may I invite you to stand as we, as we.